0: Body neutrality is really what body acceptance is to me, not body love. And if you get to a stage when you end up inhabiting your body and you end up starting to respect it and treat it better and listen to it, which is the biggest thing that um, our culture, which is often referred to as diet culture, basically teaches us to do things on and to our body versus for and with our body. Mm -hmm. So when we end up reintegrating back into our body and listening to it and caring for it, we may find that we have love for it. And we could end up finding ourselves loving our bodies. But to me, that's not the end goal. This is about coming back into who you are beyond your body Mm -hmm. and really about not even really thinking about the body that
1: much. Welcome to the Well-Balanced Podcast. I'm your host, Jillian Botel. You've come to a place where we have meaningful and inspiring conversations that I hope can foster change towards respecting, accepting, and loving ourselves. Stepping away from the cycle of dieting and into a radical inside-out approach to health where you can fully realize your worth. If this sounds like something that you are looking for, then you are in the right place. I can't wait to have you listen in. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to episode number 10. I'm so happy to have you back and listening to this episode. I sat down with Christina, and we really got into how we can accept our bodies. I feel like this is such a hard step to really take. We can want it, we can want to stop the dieting cycle, but I think a lot of us get stuck at this place of learning how to accept a body that maybe for so long we viewed as Unacceptable. It was such a great conversation. So, Christina is a certified integrative life coach, but what I love about what Christina stands for is that she really believes in listening to our own bodies and our heart instead of the external noise around us of how we should eat, how we should look. She is so well educated on this topic, and in this episode, she goes into health at every size and speaks to how finding body neutrality can be a really freeing and beautiful place. I'm so excited for you guys to give this episode a listen to. I hope you enjoy. Christina, thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me. I'm so happy to have you on this episode.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me.
1: So today I would really love to explore with you how we can start to accept our bodies because from what I've seen, that acceptance piece of the self-love puzzle It seems to be the hardest hurdle to get over, but before we dive into that, I want my listeners to get to know you a little bit better, so would you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Um, Well, what I
0: do is I work as a body acceptance coach, so right now that means I'm working one-on-one with people who... um, Are ready to actually stop kind of the pursuit of weight loss and um, dieting and really want to figure out a way of how they can make peace with their bodies and how they can actually focus on, you know, health and nourishment but without weight loss being the focus. And a lot of that comes with um, just learning how to accept their bodies for, for how they are and also how they're changing Mm -hmm. because when we're, not just focusing on, when we stop focusing on weight loss, that can often mean that we might gain weight and our bodies will look differently and change. And that can actually be quite an emotional experience. So I work with people, um,
1: walking them through that. That is fantastic. Yeah. Just to touch on the body's changing thing. It's so important because it's funny how we can get stuck thinking that our bodies are supposed to look Maybe the way it did in high school, maybe the way it did in college, maybe the way it did before we had babies. It can really be a struggle for people.
0: Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, we live in a culture that has body ideals Mm -hmm. and a body hierarchy. So meaning that we give special preference and we think that certain bodies are better if they fit this particular aesthetic ideal. And, um, I mean, this can open up into a a big discussion, but particularly when it comes to women, you know, that idea of a body ideal is also very narrow in terms of, um, it's a heavy focus on youth Mm -hmm. and never aging or changing and thinness. Mm -hmm. And, um, those are both things that will never stay the same. We are going to age and our bodies are going to change, but we're kind of sold this idea that we should always look one way and never change. And the biggest hurdle around that is we place so much of, in particular, um, the traditional idea of a woman or femininity, there a woman's value and worth Mm -hmm. associated to how they look. Yes. And so that's really kind of the crux of why we have such a challenge to accept. It's one of, one of the big hurdles of why we have a challenge to accept our bodies because in our culture, we've literally been brought up with this conditioning since Mm -hmm. we were born.
1: So true. Do you think people associate um, accepting their bodies with, not caring and giving up because of the way we've been conditioned with society?
0: I think that, um, yes, that's, that's a big piece. And so talking about acceptance, um, a lot of people have very different definitions of what acceptance means. Mm -hmm. So acceptance, sometimes people can equate with resignation or giving up. And that's not actually how I see acceptance, and that's not how I use it when I talk about body acceptance. What I talk about when I talk about acceptance is I talk about accepting the reality of the situation. So I talk about really looking at, you know, what is present for us right here, right now. Um, You know, it might be accepting that, like if I'm, for example, I'm somebody who's in an average size body and I worked really hard for a lot of um, years in my life to be thin and I was, but it was always a struggle and it was always a fight. I was It was like holding a beach ball underwater the entire time. So I got to a point where it really felt inauthentic for me to continue to struggle so much of my life. And I really couldn't be um, true to myself when I was trying to be, try to be something that I wasn't, which was having a thin body. Yeah. And so for me, it was accepting. It was accepting that, you know, I am not someone who is in a naturally thin body. Mm-hmm. And so from that place of acceptance, what does it look like for me now to move forward? Because right. I'm not giving up on myself. See, I think one of the biggest issues is that we have a really, really strong um, narrative in our culture that, um, fat bodies Mm -hmm. equals unhealthy and it equals undesirable. And this might come as a shock to some people who are listening to it, to this, but there, all of the research out there right now that says that, um, obesity, quote, unquote, I say it in quotes, because anyways, I want to get into the details of why, but basically, it's, it's kind of a made up word, um, based on a bogus BMI scale. But that's a whole other story. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> is that? Um, oh, yes, that health, the research out there is, it shows right now an association between a higher body weight and poor health, but it actually doesn't show that it's the cause. Right. So that's a really, really big distinction. Um, mm-hmm. I like to use the example of an analogy that there's a correlation or an association between people who have lung cancer also having yellow teeth. And so if we were to go based on that association or causation, we could say, oh, um, well, it looks like the yellow teeth is causing this lung cancer, so we should just whiten their teeth. So make sure that you're using, like, you know, cross white strips or whatever, uh-huh. bleaching the teeth and that should take care of the lung cancer. Uh-huh. But but it doesn't what what there's a correlation. And the correlation is that people who typically have lung cancer and have yellow teeth are people who usually are smokers. Right. And it's actually the smoking that is causing the lung cancer not the yellow teeth. Right. So when people who are in larger bodies, there's a lot of different factors as to why a person might be in a bigger body and might also have poor health, but they, ha- none of the research shows that it's because they're at a higher weight, that's the cause. Right. And so Um, that's again, a really big, uh, hurdle is when people think of accepting their body, they say, well, if I'm just going to accept it being bigger then I'm going to just now I'm saying that I'm not caring about my health. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing is that what, when people do lose weight, um, so perhaps they started eating more nutrition, nutritiously, or they started exercising more, or they started getting more sleep. these behaviors have, have been shown to improve our health, but they improve our health regardless of weight loss. Mm -hmm. But it just might be that some people do end up losing weight when they, when they change these behaviors. And so we have, we start to think that it must be the weight loss um, that's, that's causing it. But that's not the case. And so when we accept our bodies, we can absolutely make efforts now to improve our health and feel better. But why we do it changes and the, and the reasons and maybe how we go about doing it changes. So when we're not doing it to just lose weight... We start to get we I encourage my clients to really get in touch and actually this is what a lot of the coaching is, is to start to get in touch with like what actually feels good to them. Mm-hmm. Notice how you feel. So what you're eating, how you're moving, what you're doing with your life. That's what we focus on. And then we just let the weight lie where it is. Yes.
1: That approach is so powerful. I think we, in the pursuit of weight loss, we just disregard all of those other things typically.
0: Mm -hmm. It's funny. It's like, well, this is what you're doing to change things. Mm -hmm. And why? talking about that. Um, On the flip side of it too, is that people can also be engaging in really unhealthy behaviors in order to lose weight. But because we associate thinness with health, it doesn't, we just automatically assume that somebody must be healthy if they're thin, but they might be doing actually some really unhealthy things in order to get there. So, they might be engaging in heavily restrictive behaviors. They might be exercising obsessively or just really over-exercising. They could be smoking for goodness sake, like we don't know, but if they're thin, we just think that they're healthy. So that's another downside and a problem to really this weight and health connection is that when it's just about the weight, we ignore what actually the behaviors are. And somebody could be in a larger body and be really healthy. But we don't, we just make this assumption that they're not. So there's this whole mess of this weight health connection that is going on here that really is one of the big hurdles for people working on body acceptance. And then, of course, the other side and the biggest hurdle is um, uh, basically the piece that I talked about earlier, which is our value and our worth being connected and our character being connected with how we look.
1: Does accepting your body mean that you love every aspect of it? Because I think um, oftentimes we may have parts of our body that we just feel like there's no chance we're ever going to love it. There's no way we can accept it. But what does that look like per se?
0: Yeah, it's a really good question, and it's actually one of the reasons why I focus on body acceptance versus body love. Right, because it's not it's not the same thing. I I, I actually what what I really focus on is body neutrality. Mm. So it's to a point where I don't really like sometimes to go from hating your body to loving your body is such a big leap there's just so much pressure on ourselves to do that, that we may just be like, there's no point. I'm not, you know, no point. I'm not going to do this. But I, I don't sit here and, you know, uh, most days I'm not in love with my body. I mean, I'm a part of this culture too. I was, I grew up and was conditioned just like everybody else, but I've gotten to a point where I'm, I focus more on body of respecting myself Mm -hmm. and having body respect, but really that my body's just not a focus anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, our our bodies are just a vehicle for us to experience the world through there, but we've, but we are so objectified and we've in turn learned to self objectify that, um, we almost are disassociated from our bodies. Mm-hmm. And so this is about reintegrating ourselves back into our bodies into the point where we don't even really think about them that much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't define us. They are not something that um, it makes or breaks us in terms of our worth and value and who we are. We own our bodies again. And they, they are here. We have a, a, a relationship with them. Instead of um, something, I, instead of again being dis- dissociated from them. So, body neutrality is really what body acceptance is to me, not body love. Right. And if you get to a stage when you end up inhabiting your body and you end up starting to respect it and treat it better and listen to it, which is the biggest thing that. Um, Our culture, which is often referred to as diet culture, uh, basically teaches us to do things on and to our body versus for and with our body. Mm -hmm. So when we end up reintegrating back into our body and listening to it and caring for it, we may find that we have love for it. And we could end up finding ourselves loving our bodies. But to me, that's not the end goal this is about coming back into who you are beyond your body and really about not even really thinking about the body that much and and again caveat that's not ignoring the body right, right. that's just meaning that it's not every day in your in your head about being so fixated on what it looks like
1: mm-hmm. it's so funny cuz with the body love movement it is still so body focused and really the the end goal should just be that it's just so much less about our body because really like what value does our physical body bring like on its own nothing if you're not a good person if you don't treat yourself good or treat other good uh, others good then it really doesn't matter
0: Mm, Yeah. And that's a really good point that you bring up too, is that the body love is still puts the body as front and center and the main focus. And yeah, again, for me, it's about moving, moving away from that moving to body neutrality, but in order to get to body neutrality um, acceptance practice, doing a lot of practice around acceptance is, is key. Right.
1: If we are feeling um, physical discomfort because of the way our body looks. And I mean, physical in the sense that like, maybe we were triggered by putting on a pair of pants and it being too tight. And now we have this thought consuming emotions in our body with so much dislike for it. How Mm do we get out of our head or maybe more into our head, but out of that physical discomfort, what kind of tools do you maybe have that we could use to become, start to become more comfortable in our skin?
0: Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, the first thing I would say is is really repeating to yourself, my body is not the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, we, have been, we have been taught that uh, our bodies, you know, need to look a certain way, that only bodies are deserving of respect, that only certain bodies are attractive. Really starting to understand that these are conditioned mm-hmm. beliefs. They're beliefs, they're not fact. Mm-hmm. And kind of a thought exercise that I like to ask people to try is really kind of meditate on this idea that you grew up on a deserted island and you'd never seen another body and you never knew what a, another body looked like. There was literally nothing to compare yourself to. Mm-hmm. How would you feel about your body? Mm-hmm. You know, could, could you... Do you even notice your body in some way? How much are you thinking about your body? And really understand that, you know, when we look at maybe it's rolls on our stomach or or how big our thighs are or, you know, a double chin or like whatever the case may be, everything that we think about that is nothing more than a belief. Mm -hmm. Everything that we associate it to is nothing more than a belief. And then it's what we make that belief mean about ourselves. Right. You know, I have rolls in my stomach. Therefore I am what? Mm-hmm. Ugly, unattractive. And what does that mean? I'm never going to find love. I'm going to be alone. Mm-hmm. You know, like these run really deep.
1: Yeah.
0: But is- starting to understand that this is, it is not the body that is a problem. We just happen to live in a society that has conditioned us in its serious conditioning from the day we are born and it's still happening. You can start to see it in, it starts with toddlers when they watch children's programs, mm-hmm. looking at, you know, Peppa Pig or whatever it may be. There are fat shaming narratives in there. It's about making the joke of somebody who's in a bigger size or making the joke about somebody who looks different. It's othering people. So we have learned this and have learned it in all different ways, but that doesn't mean that it's true. Right? doesn't mean that it's true. And really, so starting to look at, like, what am I making this mean about myself? And then another thing that we can do is start to change our environment. Because we live, again, in diet culture, um, we need to start to change what images we are consuming on a daily basis. So it's hard for us to completely, um, completely control what we consume, right. but we can change, for example, you know, who we follow on our social media. Like what does your Instagram feed look like? Are you following people who are um, quote unquote fitness gurus or models or celebrities who fit this body ideal or um, Instagram or YouTube stars that have tons of followers who are uh, fitting this beauty ideal, who are perpetuating this idea of what is beautiful. Start following people Mm -hmm. who are, um body positive people who look different from you people who look like you or are maybe um or just who look different and stop stop following people that when you look at them you feel bad about yourself mm-hmm. that you know you could, that you, that it in it in, that it triggers you to start comparing yourself and you feel crappy so we need to start changing our environment around that as well and and this is This takes a lot of, it takes a lot of practice. Um, But this is where I recommend people start.
1: Yeah, because I think so much of our lives have been spent being told that we can change our bodies, that if we don't look a certain way, we should change our bodies. And that that is what's important. And then when you Um, take into consideration social media and like you said just it being all around us it can be really hard to kind of get away from it but the amazing thing too about social media and Instagram in particular is that there are so many amazing accounts that you can start to follow and I think what we need to do is make sure we're seeing it over and over and over and over again, just as we have seen this one-sided view, because like you said, it takes so long before we can kind of start to accept it, start to see it. Even if we want to, you know, it's just like, because we've been so conditioned, it feels like, that sometimes even though it's just a belief, it feels like so factual.
0: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think like you had mentioned that there's this idea that we can change our bodies and that we should change our bodies. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that, and, and I mean, really this whole, it's a whole narrative too. I, I really focus for me, a lot of my work is around weight Um, since to me that's like the loudest thing that's in our culture right now, Mm -hmm. Um, we can change our bodies to a certain degree. Some of us can, and some of us can more easily than others. But the really interesting thing about weight loss is that um, the first time that you try it is really easy, Mm -hmm. uh, and the weight will usually just fall right off. But what ends up happening physiologically is – Our body does not understand that when we are on a diet that we're, you know, just trying to lose weight and it's it's all good. It's okay. Our body actually thinks that it's starving. It thinks it goes into famine mode. And so the body and what happens is when we're starving is if we lose too much weight, we die. So um, our body's actually really good at and really happy to hold on to quote unquote extra weight in order because, because of survival. Um, And so when we go into famine, what the body does is it says, so what I'm going to do is that next time. I'm going to just make it a little bit easier. Um, I want to make sure that we don't lose as much weight if this happens again. So I'm going to hold on to a little bit extra. So what happens for a lot of people when they go into what we call the diet cycle is they'll end up gaining back a little bit more than they lost. And every time they do it, that ends up happening. So um, when people, so people just think that it must be their fault Mm -hmm. and that they're a failure. And it's absolutely not. Dieting does not work. Dieting fails 95% of the time. After two to five years, you're going to regain the back the weight that you lost. And of those people who end up keeping it off, they are often engaged in very disordered eating or possibly have an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Or they're in a very small percentage that maybe this, this was... Um, they're back to like sort of their natural body size. Like, our bodies are comfortable at a weight range of about 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a really big difference. And it is totally natural and okay for our bodies to fluctuate like that. And as in particular, for women, there's two periods in their lives where they're actually going to gain. Quite a bit of weight, and that's during puberty. It's completely natural and necessary for uh, girls to gain about thirty to forty pounds during that time in order to prepare the body for menstruation. And the other time is during menopause, and women are uh, particularly gain weight around the midsection, and that's in order to maintain hormonal balance, mm-hmm. um, and that's important. And those are also the two highest risk points for women to develop eating disorders. So I know that I just said a lot of different things there, but the main thing that I'm trying to say is that... Um, to think that we can change our bodies is, is false. Our bodies are gonna do what, what they're gonna do. It's just whether or not we wanna constantly be in battle with it and be fighting with it. And the fact that we should is also, again, not substantiated by the research, but it really is just a product of diet culture and weight stigma and fat phobia that exists in our culture
1: really, we need to take a step back and look at how diet culture puts the blame on us. So dieting doesn't work. We know that there's been hundreds of studies done to prove that. Like you said, it's 95% fail rate that after two to five years, you'll gain gained the weight back. And it's the only industry that says it's your fault. Try harder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. yeah exactly. And and we've been sold it and we believe it. We believe that we, we need to just try harder. We need to just take the food right out of our house. And we have to realize that that's something we've been sold. It is not your fault that diets don't work. So we need to um, stop blaming ourselves and stop having guilt over it because, like you mentioned, our bodies are designed to, to work right against us when, we, when it thinks it's going to be, you know, st- Yeah. St-
0: That's, that's right. And it's really what also makes it really difficult to culturally is that and and socially is our medical system Mm. is a weight based medical system. Mm -hmm. So while it's really well and good for me to say all this, people will come back and say, yeah, but you know, my doctor's telling me that I need to lose weight. My doctor's telling me to go on this diet. Um, and they, and you know, I trust them. They know what they're talking about. So mm-hmm. why should I be listening to this message? And what, again, I want to say about that is if we were, if those doctors in the medical community, firstly, they have grown up in this culture too. Right. They are human beings. Yeah. They are conditioned as well. Um, there's also a lot of profit to be made off of weight loss. So that comes from drug companies. And you see this more particularly in the United States where their health care system is a for-profit health care system. There's a lot of money to be made off of promoting um, weight loss. So it's really interesting. There are thankfully a small handful of doctors who are starting to wake up to this.
1: People have been shamed for living in bigger bodies, and it has actually caused them to, I mean, it, it would just perpetuate, I mean, that emotion alone just perpetuates so many negative behaviors. But, you know, how is somebody supposed to go to a doctor for help when they feel like they're just going to be shamed and told to lose weight, told that that's even the problem
0: yeah, and I mean unfortunately I would I wouldn't even say past. It's still very much yes. in the present. Um, uh, and when you have a system that is uh, so strong in what it believes, it also can be very resistant to change. But um, you know, medical doctors are very much taught in medical school that weight is the problem, and they end up developing a bias towards patients at the higher end of the weight spectrum, mm-hmm. which is really kind of ironic because what this bias does then is it actually ends up having people in larger bodies receive poor health care mm-hmm. so not only are they te- do they tend to be ignored um, and just being told to go off and lose weight and so then deeper health issues and very serious health issues go unaddressed mm-hmm. um, I know that actually, there was a uh, I think it was this summer, I can't remember, there was a woman in Victoria, BC, who died because her cancer went undiagnosed mm-hmm. because she was in a larger body and she was just told that all of her symptoms that she was sharing was because of her weight. Um, I know that that, uh, she wrote in her, her, or not she, but I think actually she ended up writing Um, for her obituary because she had some time before she passed that she wanted to make it clear that um, the reason that she was uh, one of the you know it was a very good chance the reason she was dying was because her cancer was caught in stage four versus being earlier um and so then another reason why patients, when they are treated poorly or dismissed by their doctors, is they end up not wanting to go to the doctor, period. So we also have to look at when they show these statistics and reports of you know people being in larger bodies as being more unwell, well, is it because of the body? Or what else is going on here? You know, Are they also having seen higher rates of disease because people wait a lot longer mm-hmm. in order to go to the doctor and they don't get the care that they need? Mm-hmm. Um, but there are you know, a, a few doctors right now who are starting to speak up about this and against this, and they're calling out and saying, you know, what I actually learned in medical school was wrong. When I dig into the research that actually there is no support, that the weight itself is a cause of poor conditions. It's not to say that weight doesn't have any impact, but it's at a much, much higher extreme than what uh, people are being told and and talked about and where we end up showing concern. Mm -hmm. Um, And they are apologizing and saying, I'm sorry, I've I've been causing harm because I've been focusing on this. And uh, I know that one of the more outspoken doctors he's actually a surgeon from the uk his name is dr joshua woolrich he's uh, very active in speaking out about this right now on instagram which is great i'm glad that we're starting to get some mds talking about it Mm -hmm. but that you know it it ends up again being a really big hurdle to people just saying uh, to accept their body is when you have an entire medical system that has an awful lot of power Mm -hmm. um, over our bodies uh, you know, this is another thing to, to talk about, too, on kind of a greater scale, is that you know, we also live in a society that has a power hierarchy and a power structure, where it really creates a world of experts and says, I know more than you do, and mm-hmm. I know what is best for you. Mm-hmm. And, and it really takes away us um, understanding that we have power and that we also know what can be good for us. Right. So there needs to be a, a real societal shift in how we work with people in terms of those who work in professions where they hold knowledge instead of having this power over relationship with your patient or your client, mm-hmm. you have a power with relationship where you end up a, a respecting and trusting and listening to the patient and what their experiences or what, in what the client's experiences and giving your, um, with you know your knowledge and expertise, but not at the cost of saying, "You know dismissing the client or patient and saying, "I know what
1: is best for you," right, yeah, I think we all have to um, do our own part in educating ourselves so that when we do have maybe a health issue, we need to yeah educate ourselves so that when we go in there, we can have you know the confidence and just the understanding that they don't know. What you're going through in your body. And if there's something that isn't feeling right to you, you need to push until you know you figured it out. And it's actually funny because I live in a naturally thin body. And in my third pregnancy, I got gestational diabetes. And because I was thin, every doctor, every specialist was like, no, it'll go away. <clears throat> Excuse me. It'll go away as soon as you deliver. Yep. Yeah, no, there's no chance that you would be diabetic. And turns out that I am type one now, but it was like, just based on my size, they were just like, nope, you won't have any issues. And I just can't help but think that if I was someone living in a bigger body, would they have you know thought that? Probably not.
0: Yeah, they would have, or it's really interesting and it's really sad that someone in a larger body's doctors are often shocked when they don't have problems. Right. Because again, they're so conditioned to believing that a person in a a fat body is an unwell body Mm -hmm. and that can can just be so far from the truth. And then here's where we have the flip side of where weight stigma um, and weight bias affects all people of all sizes, people in naturally thin bodies are not immune to this either. And so what ends up happening too is that conditions that are normally seen to be associated with people in larger bodies can then go undiagnosed in people in thin bodies. And that is the case, you know, you just very well explained that with your case with diabetes is like they were dismissing that they weren't even looking for that in somebody in a small body, but it can very well be the case. And it's really important to understand that there is no single disease or issue that occurs in a larger body that also a person in a smaller body doesn't also have or can't get. And so Um, But how they are treated due to weight bias and stigma is very different. And that's where the problem is. When we come back again, so a lot of times people just really internalize this message that if I'm bigger, I must be unwell. I remember when I gave a talk at a conference, I had two women come up to me after. And one was in a larger body. And she said, you know, um, I have been healthy my whole life. I have slightly high blood pressure and that runs in my family. but because I'm in a larger body, I've just like I started to believe that I was unhealthy. And you know after listening to you speak, it's again made me really start to come back and kind of question that and realize what I what I just sort of adopted that is actually untrue. And then a woman who was in a thin body came up to me and said, you know, I was like ready. I just wanted to jump on stage and tell everybody that I've had cancer three times and a host of other ill uh, conditions and I'm in a thin body and everybody just assumes I'm healthy. And this is such a damaging, um, belief system that we have right now around bodies. So I know that this is such a huge piece and it's often a piece that people will throw at somebody when, um, they're in a larger body if they'll just say, well, you know, I want you to lose weight because I'm just concerned about your health. Mm-hmm. So well, we need to like turn that upside down and realize that body size really does not have to do with how well you are or how unwell you are. And when we can get over that too, that really starts to open us up to uh, learning to accept our bodies. And when, when people are resistant to this idea or they're just very uh, new to it, the, the first book that I recommend people read is Health at Every Size by Dr. Linda Bacon, and then also the follow-up book, Body Respect by her and also Lucy Afermore. It can be incredibly eye-opening, and it's research-rich, and it really takes a deep dive into what's going on with weight as it relates to health, but also our perceptions and how it impacts how we feel about ourselves, and then how that attributes to our own well-being.
1: So how would you suggest someone goes about starting to overcome insecurities that they might have with their bodies based on the fact that maybe they feel outcasted because of what society accepts or, you know, puts importance on? How can we start to, yeah, overcome those insecurities, those body insecurities that we have and and... Start to choose to love ourselves, not necessarily you know like every aspect of our body, but
0: you know again really under like really starting to uh open up to the idea that that my body is not the problem, and that a lot of what I have learned um, has been conditioned, and I know that that can be really hard, especially if you've had experiences of being bullied or discriminated against um, or you know, you've maybe had the experience of just being treated better when you're by other people when you're in a smaller body. I understand how much that can hurt and how much of an impact that can have on us believing that it really is our bodies that are the problem. But I would say really turn that upside down. I have, um, on my website, I have a free body acceptance jumpstart guide, where I give sort of five actions that you can take right now to start on this path of accepting your body. And in there, I list a lot of resources. So books to read, you know, movies, you can watch other podcasts to listen to as well, um, and people to follow on social media. Mm -hmm. And I really think that's a really good entry point into uh, this whole world. And then after that, I, you know, this is also why I offer um, one-on-one coaching, is because I really think that I know when I started this process myself of stopping weight loss and working on body acceptance, I was working with a coach, and to really get that personalized attention, to get into kind of the nitty-gritty of what's, of what is getting in the way of us just being okay with ourselves. And I will say like, this is not flipping a switch. This is not a, there is no quick fix to this, mm-hmm. especially when we're living in this culture where from every angle we are being told that only if we look this certain way, you know, are we considered good enough, acceptable, attractive, lovable, whatnot. It's, it's a really, um, it's a courageous path to take, but it's one that really ultimately leads to inner freedom. Mm -hmm. I mean, how good can it be to not be affected by any of the messages that we are sold to just know in our heart of hearts that, you know, our own value and our own worth and feeling okay, living the lives that we want to live. You know, that's what I advocate for. Um, And so, you know, as that's where I would start.
1: I think that's such a powerful place to start because When we can get to a place where we feel those things, feel loving towards our body and proud and know that we have worth that is outside of our body, we can then truly take care of ourselves. Because, and from all standpoints, like you said, mentally, physically, emotionally, because typically diet culture just focuses on one little area of that. And lots of them, lots of the other aspects of health go to the wayside. And I think until we can dissociate with our body and get to that neutrality place with it, um, we'll always compromise areas of our health for the purpose of weight loss.
0: hmm Yeah. And, and, you know, as someone too, and I think a lot of people will also echo this, who've gone through this, you know, as somebody who has lived many years um, in a thin body, I never, I was still the same person inside. Mm. You know, I never even, I, it was funny. I I think I posted the other day on my Instagram about this. I was going through and, and archiving a lot of photos that I had. And so I was looking back at photos from eight years ago and I saw this person and I just said, Holy crap. Like, I can't believe that's how I looked. You know, that I was, I looked like the ideal Mm -hmm. that I, that I wanted to look, but never did I feel like I had ever arrived there. I never felt like whatever I thought that that was going to give me. Mm -hmm. Um, I was still me. It's not to say that I didn't have moments of feeling happier because let's face it. Like I got a lot of compliments when I was thinner. Um, I got a lot of attention when I was thinner. People treated me better and it felt good, but that was really fleeting and it, didn't mean that I all of a sudden had more confidence. You know, I was still shaky on the inside. And so, no matter what body we have, no body shape is ever, or however we look, is ever going to give us real, true confidence and a sense of self worth that can only come from within ourselves and with having a deep relationship to ourselves and understanding that. We are worthy and valuable, and and that we can have what we want for our lives, um, to, ir, irrespective of what other people are saying. That's just noise on the outside. We just innocently believed it, and now it's time to really shake up all of the belief system that we have about this, mm-hmm. and and start to reconnect with ourselves.
1: Yeah, and I think it even goes as far as saying, um, and I think it comes from an innocent aspect, but in what ways do we perpetuate the societal norm? So something as simple as commenting on someone's body, you know, it's, I think it comes from a place of just wanting that person to feel good. Like if you've noticed someone um, has lost weight, we as a society are quick to say, Oh, you look so good. What are you doing? Kind of thing. And then what's the message when they've put that weight back on and nobody says anything. So even just noticing, Things like that that you do and trying to to stop it is how, as a society, we can, you know, inch towards that change.
0: Yeah, and I advocate for like I will not compliment anybody on weight loss, Great. and I've had some people, you know, I've, I've said that before, and some people comment and said, "Well, that's just mean." Like, I'm going to compliment somebody because I, I'm i happy that they're being healthy. And again, we come back to the whole association of thinness of health. Um, there's a book that I was reading a while back, and it's called The Body of Truth by Harriet Brown. And she starts the introduction of the book with a story of her daughter who had an eating disorder, a life threat. Like, I mean, eating disorders are life-threatening. Mm-hmm. She was hospitalized for it, and she would... Uh, you know as her daughter had lost weight as she was living in this um, very small body you know even strangers would come up to her and say oh my god you look amazing what do you do and so again the the biggest thing that I often say to you is you have no idea how that person got thin you have no idea what is going on in their life they could have an eating disorder They could have a chronic illness. They could have cancer. They could be incredibly depressed. You don't know what they have done to lose that weight. And so what complimenting people on weight loss also does is it sends the message that you don't really actually care about somebody being healthy. You just care that they're thin. Right. And it doesn't matter um, really truly what the state of their health is that is the message that's being sent and mm-hmm. what it's also being sent then is this sort of even though it's not intended is this subconscious message of I value you and like you better when you're sick. Right. You know, that's that's what that's saying to some people mm-hmm. who are in that place. So um, and again, somebody gaining weight. And so again, Harriet Brown talks about her daughter now recovering and actually like surviving, surviving and living. And all of a sudden the compliment stopped. Nobody complimented her daughter on actually like starting to live and thrive because it didn't fit our ideal and narrative that we have about um, thin people. And we, we have, basically we have a binary in our culture. It's that if you're thin, you're healthy, you're beautiful, you're successful, you're, you're sexy, you're all of these things. Um, and if you are fat, you are unhealthy, you are lazy, you are ugly, you are unworthy. And that is an absolutely incredibly toxic narrative that we have that is unfounded. And so we need to change that. So stopping the compliments of weight loss is num- is a huge thing that we can do. And stopping focusing on people's appearance.
1: A hundred percent. And I think a lot of us feel that we are um, maybe... Far away from having eating disorders. But if you are someone who has been on again, off again dieting, you probably have disordered eating. And unfortunately, diet culture almost normalizes characteristics of disordered eating. And really, I think it's just a matter of time before this disordered eating starts to turn into life threatening eating disorders.
0: Um, Yeah, well, I would say that dieting is disordered eating. Um, And not everybody is going to have an eating disorder, but no eating disorder uh, cannot, an eating disorder cannot start without disordered eating, without dieting. So dieting is the gateway into eating disorders. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, because we look at thinness and weight loss as just always positive we don't even understand how the the actual incredible seriousness of eating disorders it is the number one cause of death of all mental illnesses and it is a very serious mental illness so you know we even people joke sometimes to be like oh i wish i had anorexia no no you do not want to have anorexia it is Mm. it is an incredibly horrible horrible illness to have and um disordered eating is the root to that you know i say disordered eating is really um any way of eating where you're trying to manipulate your diet or you manipulate your body into wanting it to be a certain way. Um, people might say, well, what about if I follow diet plans because I have a medical condition? And I would say, well, again, that's, that's very much taking care of yourself. (laughs) Like if you can't eat something because it's going to make you sick, that's, that's a whole different thing. But Mm -hmm. anytime we're trying to manipulate our diet in order to, to manipulate our body, we're engaging in disordered eating practices.
1: It's so important to have education, to educate yourself in what we've just spent the last little bit talking about. Until we start to see dieting and diet culture and the negative effects of it for what it is, it's going to be hard to say, okay, I need to put this to the side. I need to put it on the back burner because I need to step away from it so that I can really prioritize my my health from a mental, physical, and an emotional standpoint. And that means treating yourself with respect.
0: And so the way of eating that I actually promote is called intuitive eating. And um, the authors of the book intuitive eating, uh, Evelyn Tribbley and Elise Rush are actually have just published a fourth edition of their book intuitive eating. And they also have a workbook that goes along with it. So that is, um, the, the way of eating that I advocate for. So I would also highly recommend anybody read that newest fourth edition of intuitive eating.
1: Yeah. It's a really, really impactful. And the workbook is so great because it is really eye opening.
0: Yeah. It's, it's totally different from the way that we have been taught, uh, to, to eat.
1: What are some practices that we could maybe put into our, if we have a little bit of a daily routine, in order to foster self-acceptance?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different things that, that you can do, depend on what, what works for you. Um, some people like to, you know, maybe write in a journal um, every day, like three to five things that they can be grateful to their body for. Um, they can write things that they appreciate about themselves that are outside of their body. So again, starting to tap into their worth and value beyond their body. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say again, like following a lot of those um, people on Instagram or social media and just taking some time to read their um, messages to help counter everything else that they're getting. so I know when I first started this I was listening to podcasts like one of the most popular podcasts um, is Food psych with Christy Harrison. so that's one that I recommend to people and just really starting to listen to these stories, you know reading, consuming um, information that is counter to what what we're told um I, I also advocate for throwing out the scale, mm-hmm. and I know that that can be really, really hard for some people, so I know honestly t- I tried throwing my scale out three times before it actually stuck. <laughs> I kept buying a new one, so um that's something else that you know. and um and I would say too like just noticing when you're doing something. I I certainly notice for myself, anytime I have a thought about my body that's negative, it's always because I, it's me worried about what somebody else is going to think versus what I actually think or what I want to do for myself. So if you catch yourself, you know, doing something, eating a certain way, working out, wearing certain clothing, you know, you can ask, you can ask like, who am I doing this for? And we often sometimes um, will say, well, I'm doing it for myself. And what we really mean by that is I'm trying to avoid, I'm doing it for myself because I'm trying to avoid being seen critically by other people or negatively by other people. And I want other people to appreciate me. And when they do that, it makes me feel good. So that's why it's for myself. But really what it's for is um, it, it, we can actually not know what we want anymore. We right. don't we aren't actually tapped into what we want. We're tapped into what other people want. So we can ask like, what is it that I really want and who am I really doing this for? Can be some good questions to, to ask ourselves.
1: That is so great. I just wanted to say thank you so much because your Instagram was one of the accounts that you have such powerful posts, powerful conversations. And I think I just wanted to thank you because it's just so powerful.
0: Well, thank you so much for, for having me on and for, um, you know, using your platform to also share this message and being a an ally and an advocate in this work too, because I think the more individuals that we start doing this, you know, the more that we make it okay for other people to feel that they can do it too.
1: Right. really does. If it starts with you and it starts with I, then we can really change. We can change the world. We can change what is culturally socially acceptable
0: Mm -hmm.
1: i will in the show notes put your instagram account so anyone listening can go and start following you and having your positivity in their instagram feed and also the link to your body positivity workbook
0: yeah the body acceptance acceptance. yeah that can be downloaded on my website
1: that's so great thank you so much again christina
0: thank you jillian
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Well-Balanced Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you took a screenshot, tagged me, and then shared it on your Instagram stories. Also, if you are listening to this on Apple Podcast, I would truly appreciate if you left me a rating and review. Just let me know what your thoughts are and if there's anything you want to hear more of on the Well-Balanced Podcast.